Friends, on this Friday, each and every year, we arrive again at the hardest, most painful and disturbing story in the entirety of the Holy Scriptures. Today, we begin again with the prophet Isaiah, who in ancient days is foretelling the coming of a servant who will suffer tremendously, be lifted up high and be wounded for humanity's transgressions and crushed for humanity's own iniquities. Then we witness that prophecy being fulfilled in the passion of John's gospel. When God, in the form of a human being, Jesus Christ, sinless and full of love, becomes that once foretold suffering servant of Israel and is arrested and executed on a wooden cross. And not only is he executed, he is first beaten and spit upon, degraded and insulted, shamed and laughed at, and put through excruciating torture and humiliation to finally be left alone to die, nailed on the cross. Today, only because we are blessed with the knowledge of what will happen in three days' time do we call this Friday Good Friday. But regardless of what we know will come to be in the end, this Friday can never be called an easy Friday. And if we can allow ourselves to listen closely again to that passion story we just heard and allow ourselves to experience the sheer brutality of the cross and the death of Jesus, then there's just no way we can avoid having to ask the tough question, why? Why did such a terrible death ever have to occur? And why was this death the most central part in the midst of our otherwise loving, caring, compassionate history of Christian life and faith. For as soon as we can find ourselves asking that question again, whether we realize it or not, brothers and sisters, we are in fact moving backwards through time, 2,000 years, to the beginning of what was then simply called the way, when those first followers of Jesus themselves we're asking that very same question, why? We join them standing next to Jesus' own blessed mother as she must watch the child she carried for nine months in her sweet womb and raised up faithfully and lovingly from childhood to die sadly in front of her on that cross and ask God perhaps herself, why? Why would the benevolent creator of heaven and earth, the knower of all things, the omnipotent divinity, allow something so horrible to happen to God's only beloved son? To this day, when we meet someone who perhaps did not grow up in the church or who perhaps comes from a different religious upbringing or maybe has no religion at all, if we were to honestly tell them that the God we proclaim and worship is a God whose very incarnation on earth was arrested as a criminal and executed, I think they'd just look at us and think we were crazy or foolish. For certainly everyone knows that isn't how it worked with all those Greek and Roman gods and goddesses we read about in high school. And that's certainly not how it ever works 
with the godlike superheroes we see in our comic books or in the movies. How can anyone seriously believe this is how it would work with the one and only God who creates the universe and each and every one of us? So how do we as Christians today, in the midst of this wild world we live in, in the 21st century, answer the question, why? Why is today a day that we'd ever gather to proclaim that God in the person of Jesus had to first be utterly defeated in a painful, agonizing death? Why would we ever call this a Good Friday? In order to do that, the church has always believed that we must begin first with what's simple. And that is that if we ever truly love someone, we want to find out and know everything we can about who they are. When I met my sweet wife nearly a decade ago, and we began to find ourselves falling in love with each other, we discovered that we'd lost nearly 39 years before we met. We needed to do some catching up. So we spent hours and hours together doing nothing but listening to each other's stories, understanding the families that raised us, the things we both had done that inspired us, the hard times that we both had suffered through in our lives and the dreams that we were still carrying for our future. And don't we need to do the same thing with anything that we ever come in contact with in this life that we come to love equally? When I arrived here at All Saints almost nine years ago and began to realize what a blessing God had given to me by bringing me here to be your priest and your rector, I spent every second I had trying to learn names, understanding the long history of this great church, and finding out what I might be able to do among you to be part of your family. This is a sign of love that is deep and self-sacrificing, not just something that we see and want in a moment of passion, but the kind of love that the King James Version of the Bible refers to in that wonderful passage of 1 Corinthians 13, not as love at all, but as charity. Charity drawn from the Greek word for love, the greatest Greek word of love ever given, which is agape love. That is the only word that can be used that comes closest to the unending, unsurmountable love God has for each and every one of us. And when we love someone that much, when the person suffers or becomes ill, or loses their strength or direction, don't we want to do everything we can to find out every detail of what's going wrong? We want to ask every question. We want to do everything earthly possible to help that person, to make their life meaningful again, to make them healthy and sustainable, even when we discover we are fighting a losing battle. As a priest here at this church, I've seen so many of you do that very act of love for people that you have that agape love for, for people who are part of our church, even for people who wander in among us from off the streets. 
If we care for something, we might do what we can for sure. But if we truly love something or someone, we would do anything and everything, no matter what. So the story of God's creation, brothers and sisters, from the very beginning has been a story of God's agape, loving struggle to do anything God can do to reach out to God's creation and guide everything God loves to the full goodness God knew from the beginning when we were created in God's own image that we were made to experience and to live into. The first testament of our Holy Bible is the beginning of that tough and hard road with God calling out to His children over and over and over again to save them and to give them strength to make a covenant with them that they would accept and live into to get back to that garden that God created in the beginning when He said His creation was good. But time and time again, covenant after covenant, call after call, try after try, God's beloved creation keeps fumbling and it keeps failing to keep its end of the promise. And so in the end, God knows that there's only one way to accomplish this possible restoration of creation. And that is for God to come down God's self, to take on our form, to live among us, and to take on sin and its worst repercussion, which is death, directly. To sneak up, I think, and surprise sin and the devil by not just taking it on, but moving into it. Allowing sin and death through Jesus to think that they are overwhelming Jesus in his life. And on that first Good Friday to actually sit back and believe that they are utterly defeating God's only son. To reread and to listen and to take in the passion gospel we just heard read is to watch Jesus moving right through sin, after sin, after sin, untouched. The sin of anger, the sin of malice, the sin of lust for power and prestige, the sin of betrayal and denial by Jesus' best loved friends. Jesus takes all of that upon his body. And then Jesus is lifted up on that cross to be murdered and to give in to the wages of sin that all of us as humanity were facing then and continue to face today. And then to die in front of everyone on that most heinous and terrible side of execution. Why? Because God loved us so much. God wanted to swallow up all that sin that surrounds us so that it could be overcome once and for all. God takes on our sins on this day, brothers and sisters, so that God can finally turn sin and death and evil upside down and defeat it completely. So that God through Jesus Christ and Christ's holy cross can travel into the muck and the destruction of hell to begin hell's end and to start creation's transformation. And Jesus did it for every one of us. Jesus did it to save you, and he did it to save me. What a tremendous love that is. Has there ever been a love any greater than that? To lay down one's life for one's beloved friends. And Jesus did it on this day. So that there can never be a place 
that you and me can go to that he's not already been before on this day 2,000 years ago when he was crucified. Just as a mother would easily lay down and die for her child or a farmer would take on a scourge of locusts or an engulfing flame to save his beloved livestock. God loved us so much that he gave his only son to take all that we must face and to destroy it so that he could give us a chance at life and a life that is eternal. That, brothers and sisters, is why this will always be Good Friday. Thanks be to God.